Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And tonight, on my 35th episode, I have Manitoba Bisons QB1, Mr. Des Catelier. How's it going, Des? It's going really good. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. I'm excited too. I'm excited to meet you and kind of talk ball today and you know, pick your brain about uh, all, all things Bison football and what's going on in the NFL, CFL, all that kind of good stuff. So uh, let's get her started here. Obviously, it was an epic weekend in the NFL this past weekend. All four games were, you know, right down to the wire. Just to talk about last night's game with Casey and Buffalo, obviously both Mahomes and Josh Allen had epic games. Were you able to watch those games? What, what did you think about the overtime and, and how do you think, you know, there's a lot of talk today. People are you know, complaining about the fact that uh, Buffalo didn't get a chance to get the ball. How, how do you feel about that? Well, actually, so this weekend I was in uh, I was in Moose Jaw coaching some seven on seven, so I was definitely in and out of uh, of watching the games this weekend, which was too bad because of how good the football was this weekend. I would have loved to to be able to watch all of them, but um, definitely I was keeping up with them. Um, there was chances where I could watch bits and pieces of the game and stuff like that, and uh, watch the highlights after and and just kind of you know, formulated my opinions on some of the games and stuff like that. But, but yeah, what a, what a weekend of football uh, in general. To touch on uh, your point, uh, uh, like last night's game, KC and, and Buffalo, like those are two, to me, like going to be generational quarterbacks. Like you, you watch that quarterback battle, like uh, Josh Allen, Mahomes are, are going to be here to stay in the AFC for a while. Um, I'm excited to watch more battles between those two guys after um, the performance they put on. Uh, last night, um, it was a. Uh, I would have loved to watch every second of that game, watch the highlights. Like I said, it just seemed to me like in the fourth quarter, when you have quarterbacks and offenses that are that are like that, that are explosive like that, it's it's just it's so it's so fun to watch them just just go to work. And they seem, you know, once you get in that rhythm in the fourth quarter of the game, like you just kind of seem unstoppable. Like when you have that type of flow and those type of, again, that's what I would when I look for like in a generational talent is when you kind of. In the fourth quarter, you kind of can believe you're you're going to go score when the, when the money's on the line. You're going to go score every time down the field. Then even 13 seconds left, you get on the clock, you, you still go down and find a way to, to kick a field goal, which was pretty impressive um, mm-hmm. in general. And then obviously the OT, the coin flip, Casey gets the ball and kind of went, once I heard that, it was first thought it was kind of game over. Like, yeah. but I would have thought the same. I think I would have thought the same way if, if Buffalo had won the toss, which obviously is is the concern of the the rules of of overtime in the nfl is you know coin flip not always because you don't always have patrick mahomes versus josh allen but but a, but a coin flip can decide games you know do they need to change it I, i'm not 100 percent sold they need to change it if you're if you're a defense think about it, now we're on a quarterback podcast but you think from a defensive perspective mm-hmm. if you keep the ball to the end zone the other team starts at the 25 yard line and you're the defense and you let them go down and score a touchdown. Like you, you lost the game. Yeah. You lost the game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. cause you can let them have a field goal. You can stop them for a field goal and you got, now you, now you do have the chance. Now we get to see Josh Allen trotting right. field and, and, and see, and see what he's got. So I think like, you know, if you're thinking as a defense perspective, you got to be able to, to hold an offense from a 25 yard line, you got to be able to make the stop. And so in, in that perspective, I definitely see the point of, of what the overtime rules are right now. And, and, um, and that's just been, you know, I mean, is it outdated? It's, it's been the rule for a long time. Like maybe do we, I think 
obviously fans are outraged because from an entertainment value, you want to see both teams get the chance. But, um, you know, and obviously when you're on the opposing side, Josh Allen, like you, you won't want to get that chance. You hate having the game out of your hands. And the same thing happened to Mahomes, I want to say, uh, 2018 uh, versus the Patriots. And you've seen a shootout between between the Patriots and the Chiefs. Um, coin toss goes the Patriots' way. And the Patriots go down, score, win the Super Bowl the next week or whatever it was. And so Mahomes has been on both sides of it right now. So, True. you know, it goes, it goes around, comes around. But I, I love the CFL style of it. I don't mind the NFL style of it. I think it's definitely worse for entertainment value. But I think in a football perspective, when you're on the defensive side of the ball, and you know the rules, you, you got to stop them. So I think, you know what I mean? Like, you just got to you gotta get the job done when you're on defense. So I, I, I'm hard-pressed to say they have to go in and change everything. But, you know, I definitely see the, the point as well of, of changing and giving, giving both both offenses a chance to score. Yeah, you make great points there, Des. It, it is true. Like, as a defense, it's not like the defense is starting at midfield. They're, they're starting deep in their own end. Mm-hmm. And you got to stop them, right? Like that's part of playing defense. That's your yeah. job. So it's tough, especially, I guess, yesterday, you know, I, I think it was a little bit amplified for the fact the way the fourth quarter played out so much scoring in that fourth quarter, like you said, both QBs were just on fire and then Mahomes gets his opportunity and Josh doesn't. But, uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, yeah either they, either they change the format to, to some form of, uh, of how we do it here in Canada or or they keep it the same and, and it just is what it is right so moving on though uh exactly, yeah. what, what about brady you know yesterday i was watching the game and man that guy was under duress the entire game his offensive tackles were getting worked and, and so much pressure yeah. and then you know what like it, it looked really grim for most of the game and then he does this typical brady thing and, and brings them all the way back and it, i was texting with one of my buddies and i was like this guy's got like God on his side, like everything just, you know, <laughs> it seems yeah. to work out for him. And, you know, in the end it didn't. And and maybe that's good. Maybe that was a little bit of the changing of the guard and we need to see some, some other teams make it a little yeah. further. And it was nice to see the Rams do that. Were you able to see any of that? Cause man, that guy was under some crazy heat. Yeah. So I was actually, I actually watched most of the, the, the fourth quarter, second half of that game. So, I mean, I missed the first set. So when I kind of turned around, I went 20 to three, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. like, like something, like, you know, obviously something's happening the Rams way. And kind of what I've gathered from the game is, is exactly what you said. Um, pressure, like there was just, Brady was under duress. And I mean, we know that Rams do mind get after it. There were some injuries on the Bucks whole line. So you could maybe predict something like that happening. And that's, I think that's one way, not necessarily to stop Brady and he's faced it all, but, that that's I think the biggest recipe you need to try and get pressure with four. Yeah. So if you try and get pressure with more than four, he's gonna pick, he's gonna pick you apart right. um, it, with your holes that you, you you do when you blitz. So if you can't get pressure with four, with four um, and you got to send more, or then he's gonna pick you apart. So you don't got enough guys in the secondary. And then if you just send four and you're not getting any pressure and you let him sit there, he's gonna pick you apart as well. So yeah. I think the Rams executed what they needed to do um, is get pressure with four and then play coverage and. Uh, um, so obviously, like it worked out for them pretty good until all these, like all of a sudden it was like four minutes left down by 14. That would be impossible. A lot of times seems possible with Brady. All of a sudden it's like all of a sudden it's tie game. Like you don't even know what happened. Like it was, I don't know, like there was the Matt Stafford snap, but I don't even think the Bucks scored on that. And you yeah. know, hunt back, touchdown to Mike Evans, and then fumble, touchdown. Like I was even saying it, we were, so we were watching, we were on the drive back and we were able to stream uh, the fourth quarter uh, at this point, I wasn't driving. Mm-hmm. So I was able to kind of watch it. And um, I was even saying like, there was a, a fourth and one. And I said, this is almost perfect. Cause you want to get the first down here, not score, waste another 30 seconds. 
and then score when there's like less than 20 seconds left on the clock. And then Fournette, you know, breaks the tackle, goes and scores 50 seconds left. Too much time in, in you know, in the NFL sometimes you can you can move the ball pretty quickly. Obviously, Chiefs game, it was 13 seconds. This game, it was 50 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got, I, I kind of, like, I was like, oh, that's the classic Brady. But this time, usually the classic Brady is he gets the ball with, right. with 50 seconds left. So it kind of happened uh, a little a little bit off and, and, you know, the Rams got it done. And, and I don't know. You know, Cooper Cup one on one. They sent a nickel blitz on the guy that, that was covering Cooper Cup. I don't know what the necessary thought process was with that one. I think you would rather bracket him and double him instead of one on one with a safety. But you let him go down. I mean, I'm a uh, I'm a big Tom Brady fan, so I think at the moment I was like, what are you doing? But yeah. I I love to see you know Tom Brady go do it again. But like you said, it's it's nice to um, see some new quarterbacks, some new teams. Um, I'm doing well and, and moving forward in the playoffs. And I like Matt Stafford a lot and. Uh, and so I think that that sets it's going to be it sets a pretty interesting um, final four in the playoffs here. You touched on it a little bit, but I think historically the only way really to stop Brady is with that four man pressure, right? Like I think I'm I'm thinking back to the the Giants beating him in the Super Bowl years ago, and and that's really what they did. They were able to with their D line get pressure and you know get hits and force him to throw the ball early and all that kind of stuff. And that's really like in the course of his career, really the only way to slow him down truly is to get that four man pressure. So I'm with you on that. The other thing too, that fourth and one that you referenced, I really thought that was a great play call The I was expecting sneak, you know, fourth and one Brady in his career has been great at running sneak. And then they run outside zone. And I was like, Oh, beautiful call. And, you know, obviously scores and you look like a genius at that point. But, uh, but yeah, there was so much going on in that game. It was, I've been back and forth my whole life about uh, whether I like Tom Brady or can't stand him. And lately, uh, okay. lately uh, I've been cheering for him and I had him on my pro line ticket. So I was a little disappointed yeah. not to win yesterday, but, uh, but yeah, it's good to see, good to see Stafford and the rounds move on. How about, uh, how about Rogers coming up short on Saturday night? Yeah. What do you think is going to happen with him now? Is he going to, you know, there's rumors of him potentially retiring a lot of rumors about him, you know, going to a different team. I'm hoping my, uh, my Steelers maybe are, somebody that goes after him or, or does he stay in green Bay? What do you think is going to happen with him? It's tough to say, you know, obviously he's close off. Like he keeps his, his stuff tight and he yeah. keeps his stuff in his inner circle. So it's hard to, it's hard to tell and speculate exactly what he's going to do. My gut feeling is this whole, the whole thing has been a little bit of a, like a side screen. I've, I've always kind of felt like he's going to stay in green Bay. And I don't know how bad the situation is with him, the owners or, or whatever it is. I've always, and, and how now this season ended pretty, no playoff wins. Um, pretty tough i don't know what exactly where his mind's at now um i think the one team i I was i was talking about this with a friend earlier i think the one team i could see him going to is is pittsburgh uh you know a kind of solidified team that that just lost their quarterback that kind of needs one piece like obviously they could use some whatever defensive guys o-line they could you know they can use some pieces but Mm -hmm. you get Aaron Rodgers all of a sudden teams looking like a contender like right away Um, um i could see him you know going there with a good coach like tomlin but um, you know, I I guess he could retire. Too. It's hard to it's hard to speculate. I think my gut tells me he's gonna stay in stay in Green Bay, but we'll see how it rolls. We'll see how it goes. And, and uh, I'll uh, quickly touch on the on the 49ers, man. We're we're in a quarterback podcast again, but man, their run game was pretty pretty yeah. damn good. I love what they do in multiple looks in their schemes and, and getting the ball to Debo and very creative in different ways of, of running an offense. And it was it was um. That was probably the game I was able to watch the most of. It was the, the night game on Saturday. We just kind of finished games and we were able to watch a good a good chunk of that game. And it was, you know, obviously not the best offensive game, but a pretty um, 
Um, I thought just a good football game. I really like what the what the 49ers were able to do on defense with offense. Yeah, it was a great chess match in that game. And and you know, going back to Rodgers, I think he's he's kind of a weird dude. Like you don't really know what to expect from him. And and like you said, he's kind of closed mm-hmm. off, so it's it's hard to know what's going to happen. I kind of hope he stays in Green Bay just to finish off his career there. We'll wait and see what happens. And then I guess does the the first game of the weekend was uh, the Bengals and Tennessee. I was cheering for Tennessee, and and I didn't mm-hmm. expect the Bengals to be as as good as they were in that game. Uh, you know, big win for them and Joe Burrow. How do you think they're going to fare against KC coming up this week? They can play well. I think they'll have a good chance. I think it'll be a good game. I think that the Cincinnati's offense is pretty explosive, and they played tough uh, Tennessee defense. So that I mean, they just settle for a lot of field goals and, and different stuff like that. Whereas I feel like they have a pretty solid matchup against uh, Kansas City's defense, and they might be able to to put up some points. But obviously, you know that the offense on the other side is going to put up some points as well. And um, I, I always find it hard, you know, when a team. team you know, Cincinnati is the, is the underdog. And with an underdog, really hard to beat a team twice in, in the NFL. And, and, and honestly, just in football in general, like I find that in, in new sports and in my experience as well, it's, it's, it's hard to beat a team twice and um, even three times, you know, whatever it is. So I put my money on uh, on Kansas City to, you know, seeing Cincinnati beat them, I put my money on Kansas City to win. But man, I'm also not counting out Joe Burrow, what he's done this season. I love watching him play football. He's, he's, just looks cool, calm, collected. Always looks like a winner. Plays like a winner. Like looks like he, he just has that locker room, um, like fully bought in. And uh, I, lo- I that's why I've loved about this season for for Joe Burrow. I, I actually like I have a teammate on on the Bison early in the season. I would I would always debate this, and I would say Derek Carr's better than better than Joe Burrow. But I had to admit to him uh, <laughs> uh, recently that that I was wrong. <laughs> but uh, I, I liked Derek Carr. And I was like, oh, Joe Burrow hasn't proven it yet. And you know what? This year he went out and proved it. So mm-hmm. I got to give Joe Burrow's credit. And I love watching him play football. I think he's a great quarterback, and uh, um, I think it'll be a really entertaining game. But I put my money on the my money on the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that with the Chiefs as well. But man, yeah, they got some dynamic uh, ability on offense. Jamar Chase, what a receiver that guy is. You know, they, wow. you, know, you never know any given Sunday, right? So we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, um, you know, moving on a little bit, the Bombers, CFL-wise, have been signing a ton of guys, re-signing guys. Uh, former podcast guest Mike Benson just re-signed today, long snapper, linebacker. That's pretty cool. Uh, obviously, uh, Zach Caleros re-signed last week and got a nice big contract. What do you think about that? And and do you think the Bombers can can maybe put it together one more time and, and three-peat? It looks like they're getting the band back together. I mean, there's still obviously other signings they need to make, and you're not going to sign everybody year to year, so mm-hmm. you're going to have to replace and, and move on and find new guys. But it looks like they're they really are signing the core. Um, obviously, you know Zach Claros and Adam Big Hill, who were the two big, I think, big pieces on either side of the ball. And you know right. they got them back, and you know you got you, you got your also your pieces of of I think Stanley Bryan on on the whole line, and then you got Willie Jefferson and then Jackson Jeffcoat. Uh, on the D line, so they're, they're they're signing the key guys as well, and I'm and I'm sure they're they're figuring out. I don't know what the I don't know what the money situation is all like, but I'm sure they're trying to figure out ways to to bring a guy like Kenny Waller back to who had a, an outstanding season. But I mean, watching watching them them play last year, it's it's pretty hard to to think they can't do it. It's hard to hard to three peat for sure. But yeah. man, were they were they ever dominant last year and and it's hard to win Grey Cup because you know you saw in the Grey Cup this year how close of a game it was. Even with Winnipeg being dominant all season, once you get to a Grey Cup, it's it's anybody's game. I mean, right. the other team that made the Grey Cup has been through a journey of a season as well and got to that point for a reason. And so they're going to give you 
they're going to give you a tough game. So winning Grey Cups is no easy easy feat by by any means. But I I predict they have a good season. Become their first in the West after the regular season, and then and then all bets are off. Kind of you know I find always in the play. Even they had a close game with Stask um, right. in the West Finals. So I think. It really is. Once you get to playoffs, it's all, all bets are off. I mean, I, I I predict they finish first in the West, and then you know what? The playoffs, the playoffs, we'll see how the momentum's rolling. We'll see how they how they come out ready to go, trying to defend a, a title. It's, it's tough to do. Absolutely, yeah, it's tough to do. I don't think anybody's three peated since back in the '80s. Warren Moon with the Edmonton Eskimos. It's gonna be pretty tough, no matter what. And you're so right about you know once you get into the playoffs, it's every game is a complete war, and you never know how it's gonna go. And things are always tight in the CFL, so. Yeah, looking forward to it and glad they're making these re-signings. Back at it for second quarter action with Bison QB, Des Catalier. So Des, let's talk to my audience about your background. I, w- I want to know about where you're from. Talk to me about your family and growing up in, in the Catalier family and, and sports maybe you played before football. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I'm uh, I'm from Calgary, Alberta. You know, grew up. I uh, my I had one brother, my mom, my dad. That's uh, just kind of family of four. My brother, four years older than me, kind of definitely a, a big influence, uh, mentor, guy I looked up to my, my whole life for sure. And you know, I like to follow in his footsteps a lot. Um, like sports wise, let's say, um, you know, he played hockey. So then my first sport I played kind of growing up was hockey. He played soccer. I wanted to play soccer. He eventually played football. I ended up playing football. So. Definitely somebody that that had an influence on, on me. We're, we're to this day really really close, um, and uh, yeah, definitely close to my mom, my dad as well. Referencing back, my first sport I, I played was um, was hockey. Hockey was my first kind of first love, I'd say. Like, like probably started skating when I was like four years old, and then got like Timbits hockey, and uh, was playing all the way up. I think I, if I say so myself, I think I was pretty good back in the day. Uh, played with some actually like some. Uh, some guys in the NHL now, some guys in the WHL, like uh, oh, Kale McCarr, who's like, I don't know if, you, if you're full of hockey much, but I played on his team in, in the, like in a summer league, AAA league that we played in actually, like when I was like eight or nine or whatever, but it's cool to see him go. He was like the fourth overall draft pick in, uh, in the NHL and, and is like looking like the defense player of the year now, like a, one of the, one of the top guys in the NHL. So definitely like, uh, Rooted in hockey, played high-level hockey uh, growing up, played some soccer on the side. Um, definitely always just an active kid, loved gym class, doing all that kind of stuff, and um, didn't get into uh, till football until so till a little bit later, until I think I was around 12 years old type of thing. Okay, and, and talking about football, what, what's your first what's your first memory of playing football? So when I was big into hockey there in the summer, actually, my parents put me into like a flag football league. Okay. That was the first football I played. Flag football is really cool. I think it was a good um, intro into it. You kind of learn the route tree a little bit. You, you play receiver and DD, and you learn how to, you learn the basics, right? Which is cool. So then now I'm I'm going into um, I'm going to play. So at this time in my life, we had just moved outside of the city of Calgary, so I had to play for this small town of Cochrane. So I played for the, the Cochrane community team, um, PB football. I think maybe I was 11, grade six. I was in, and it was I think the flag football was a good. Um, intro into it because I walk in with a little bit of the knowledge of knowing what a, what an in is, what an out is, what a corner is, what a post is, what, you know, like the, the general um, a route tree of and the general workings of football. And so I go in and um, actually like after my first two trials, like 
I always threw the ball around with my brother and they, they put me to quarterback. Like I was, I was, I've never played another position type of like I played, I guess I played some receiver at points randomly, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I just remember my first, first couple of tryouts going in, they, they kind of, it's peewee football. So you're rotating in the tryouts between every position going between type of thing. And uh, I just remember going in after they told me I made the team and, and going in and they, they said they wanted me to play quarterback, which was, um, nerve-wracking i think for for the for a young kid uh at the time thinking oh man it's all all this um pressure or whatever i thought at the time but it was a uh, also exciting and, and pretty cool and then from playing community ball you end up going to high school and you play at saint francis high school i uh i spent some time with the calgary colts in 2001 and the head coach there at the program was uh, bill mcconkey i believe his son is the head coach at the u of r right mm-hmm. now and uh, he was also, I believe, the head coach at St. Francis High School at that time. So I remember when I was kind of doing some research on you, that uh, that high school name kind of popped out to me as, as a recollection of him. Um, talk to me about your high school experience there. What, how did you progress as a player through the years there? What are some of the memorable moments? And who do you remember from that time? Yeah, high school, it was uh, definitely pretty cool. I like got St. Francis in particular. I think um, football is a big deal there. It's a football school. When I uh, got there, though, recently, there had been kind of a new school come up, Notre Dame, who had kind of taken over, and, and Francis, so I got there in 20, 2015, mm-hmm. or 2014, maybe, and um, uh, Francis hadn't won since 07, and so it, we had a little bit of a drought. We, like, Notre Dame was a new school on the block, and they were winning. They were taking over Calgary. They, they at one point, had, like, a 35-game win streak, a bit, like, span over, you know, three years, and so, you know, you go to this, you go to this, you go to St. Francis and you know what the expectation is. You know, that's, you, you know, you show up, you play football, they're, they're, they're rooted in their traditions, discipline, and they do different things there. It's a, a really good football experience. And, you know, the way I know Winnipeg sometimes, I don't know how exactly how it's all set up here, but I know like Craig 10 in Calgary, you show up and you play JV. Like almost like you have to be, it's one in a million that the, the kid in grade 10 goes and, yeah. and plays on the, on the varsity team. So you know, I show up, it's actually interesting, like I show up in, in grade 10, and, and so in community ball, there was a selects team, and I was involved with that, and me and the other quarterback, the two quarterbacks on the selects team, we actually both went to Francis. Okay. So now you've got the, you know, the two best quarterbacks in the in the city going to the, going to the same high school and, and competing for a job, and I kind of knew I, I was showing up. And he played for the community team that fed in Francis. I played for a different community team. So I knew I was kind of the new kid, like, coming in. Like, he had been with all these guys. So I knew I might have to do even a little extra if I wanted to, to win the job. And, and, and um, you know, me and that quarterback actually still friends to this day. It was, it was competition, but it was really friendly. We, have, we helped each other out. And uh, that great 10 year, we ended up actually kind of mostly just splitting reps. We were a really good team. Uh, we went, we won like 60 nothing most games besides Notre Dame. And we split, like when he was playing quarterback, I was playing receiver. When he was last playing quarterback, he was playing receiver. So we were good on the field. And anyway, it was a fun year. We ended up winning the city championship that year for, for JV. And then, um, you know, we're progressing now to to the senior team going in grade 11. And um, so they had a quarterback who was in grade 11 when I was in grade 10. So he was the starter. So now he's in grade 12. Me and Conley are moving up, so we have kind of a three quarterback, you know, competition going into the senior team. And um, you know, this off season, I feel like between grade ten and grade eleven is where I can really, um, you know, pinpoint a big improvement in my game. Okay. And so the way Calgary set up actually is um, in the spring they do a midget. They call it midget. So you play community when you're in high school. You play high school and you play community. So you play high school during September, November, mm-hmm. and you play midget 
during the spring, let's say March to May yeah. type of deal. And um, so, but my community team is still this Cochrane and um, we're small. There's like 25 guys on the team. My whole line are way less than me. It's, it was like, a, you know, we were out matched basically the whole time, but this is, you know, now I go from being, you know, a small fish in at St. Francis to, you know, big guy on campus that in Concord. And I feel like I really, I can pinpoint this whole season as my, like, like where I grew the most. And maybe my whole career was this, was during this time. And, you know, we, we went 0-8, but I was named uh, the one of the two all-star quarterbacks of the year. So you can picture that like a team that goes 0-8, but their quarterback's an all-star. Like, you yeah. know, I was, we were in a lot of close games that we shouldn't have been in close games. Like we were almost there in a lot of games. We were playing teams really tough that we didn't necessarily have to play tough. And I was scrambling. I was doing everything. And stuff I hadn't done before. I was more of a, I was still more in this. I was more of just a pocket passer, a good thrower. I was kind of learned how to add more into my game, scramble around. And you know what? We I, I'm making our team sound bad. We had some good players on that team as well. I, sure. I don't want to say we didn't. We had some solid receivers um, and, and guys that could, that could make some plays and we were able to make plays and um, we, just, we lost some shootouts, lost some games, but ended up actually we're in the division two playoffs and we end up winning two games going to the division two finals, going from 0 and 8, all of a sudden we're in division two finals. And we had that Cochrane organization had one game in three or four years. So it was like in the Cochrane, it was cool playing in Cochrane because you're in the papers, it's a small town and you're in all the papers and all that. It was a cool experience. And I feel like, like boosted me as a player, opened me up to be a leader, to be, uh, you know, open different facets of my game during this time. And so now, now moving on into uh, going back to St. Francis, we go into grade 11 and um, I just came off this really great, great midget season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the coaches, and that's, so again, this is what progressed me. I think the coaches were watching, the St. Francis coaches are watching the midgets. So they, they see me playing like this and kind of went into the competition. I think they were giving me first team reps from what I remember right away. And I just kind of ran with and uh, one one out the one out the starting job in grade eleven. We had a great season. We ended up losing to Notre Dame in the in the city finals. That was when they were on their thirty five game win streak. They went out provincials, and that was like I remember that being really tough. Like grade eleven losing the, 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 those St. Francis ND games are played at McMahon in front of five six thousand people, like packed packed house. So that was yeah. I remember that being a, like a, a tough um, a tough loss for sure. Like something I remember being really tough and. Uh, I kind of took that motivation. We went into grade 12. We had a really good team. We had, we had a really good team. You look back on some of those players um, that were on that team and, you know, um, youth sports guys all around, uh, junior guys all around, you know, guys that that guys that didn't end up going to play any of those sports that were, or anyone I think past high school that were really, really, really good football players. And, you know, we as a team really kind of took that year and, and we took, off went 12 and 0 we ended up being ordained which was you know the monkey off our shoulders and then went 12 and 0 won a provincial championship and uh that was pretty i just remember that being a pretty uh pretty special year that was really awesome yeah that had to be that's that's outstanding and they kind of you know have defeat in the championship game in your grade 11 year and then come back in grade 12 year beat beat the uh beat the big dogs and then win the title that that's pretty awesome to be able to do that in your senior year so that's that's really cool yeah. how about um provincial team wise i i going back to my day a million years ago i played for team manitoba for uh your your offense coordinator coach von mitchell was my oc back then for for the mm-hmm. provincial team i think i think we won the bronze that year it was held here in manitoba i just remember it was super super hot I, that's all i really remember about that time but uh but you you played for team alberta 
Uh, did you play multiple years for the program, and, and how successful were those teams? Yeah, so I played both years. I played two years. So, again, referencing back to that big leap year that I think I had in between grade, grade 10 and 11, that was the, the first year of trial for the team was in that offseason between grade 10 and 11. The trials were held right after that midget season where I kind of felt like I gained my confidence, felt like I finally came into my own. And uh, I, I'll, I remember going into the first trial and you kind of go in. When I was growing up, it was a it was a big deal. I remember like maybe I heard about it when I was grade seven and watching it every year and, and knowing the players on the team, knowing those guys are like the guys in Alberta. And it's not just Calgary anymore. Like when you're a community ball, you're getting the selects Calgary team, but then now you're going to the big, big dog. I was all Alberta. And, you know, I, I had the idea in my head of this being like, oh my God, these guys are so good. Like, they're like, uh, like I can, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, I, I revered this uh, team. And so, you know, it was my year to go show up and try out when I come off this really good uh, midget season. And uh, I remember going to the trials, all these quarterbacks, you kind of know each other, right? Um, through the city, you know all the quarterbacks, and they're all the older guys. And then, on the, on the younger side, a couple of those younger guys were there. And like, I, I remember having maybe my best practice, like I maybe I've ever had, like couldn't miss a ball, one-on-ones, 40, 50 yarders on a lot, like just having one of my best days ever. And just like, even that, that whole weekend of trials, just having like, okay. And then just the first, this is the first kind of regional part in Calgary. And then I get invited to um, the big trial where they do in Edmonton with maybe a hundred and 120 guys of, of all they could do, like four regional trials or whatever. And you go to the, the second one and again I felt like I played really well and and so in these days I was actually a kicker as well that was a big chunk in my armor that I could you know use to make this team type mm-hmm. of thing is that was me there was me and another guy were kicking we're kind of kicking off back and forth and and you know I won I think that biggest reason I made the team was was I was the I was the best kicker there but if you ask me personally I think I earned it at quarterback too I think I impressed them as a younger guy um being able to, to play with all the older guys and uh um, so I ended up making a team um, that year. I was the backup and the kicker, the kicker and the backup. So I still was able to go on the field and kick a lot. And was able on the field. This one was in 2014 in Saskatoon. Okay. And um, yeah, if, uh, 20, 2014 Saskatoon, I played, I did really well as kicker. Actually, funny story. Um, what, uh, this is the first, first time I met our defensive coordinator, Stan Pierre. And the first time he ever, this is his first recruiting pitch to me. We still talk about it to this day. He he was ready to bring me on as a kicker to the Manitoba Bisons. Uh, <laughs> he was uh, he was all over me. He was like, "Man, we're getting, we're, we're losing our kicker from next year." I was only grade ten at the time, so we're losing our kicker from next time. We can bring you in next year. You ready to go? I was like, "Oh, I'm young." Blah blah blah, and and kind of told him I wanted to play quarterback. Um, and I was on the younger side, so mm-hmm. whatever. That's the first time I got recruited to, to Manitoba. Actually, um, was uh, trying as a kicker. Okay, but um, we. Um, we got, we were a good team, and we we ended up coming in fourth place. Though we had a tough semifinal against Saskatchewan, who I think won the tournament that year, and we lost like forty to forty to thirty-two. Mm-hmm. I remember hitting a couple couple field goals in the game, and it was a close game down the wire, and you know, they ended up winning it up, winning it out. So, and uh, it was a really really, really cool experience. Though I remember it being like being great town on the younger side of just seeing how it all worked. It felt. It was cool seeing all the university coaches there and, you know, being around like top talent around the country was a really cool experience. And then, and then, so now we go into to next year where I kind of feel like now it's my time to be the guy. And, um, you know, obviously they kind of groomed me out through the last year and, you know, bringing me back for my second year. It was kind of my team now. And we, again, had a really good team. I thought 
we almost had a Chuba Hubbard, but then he went Ooh. to, um, he, he was on all the trials and stuff. So that's the only time I've met him, but cool. he ended up, uh, doing world's track or something like he was, <laughs> something that of a bigger, a bigger deal than yeah. what we were doing. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, had a really good team too. And we went in and, um, we actually played Manitoba in the first game. Uh, I remember playing really well. I think I was the player of the game, two for three touchdowns. Funny playing against some of those guys in that tournament who were, you know, teammates of mine throughout the years now. Yeah. It's a cool thing to look back on for sure. And then um, we played against Ontario in the second game. And again, I had a really good, really good first half. And, uh, and we were winning. Ontario was kind of the favorites almost every year. You kind of felt like Ontario were the favorites. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were winning that half. Um, I was 17 something. I, I played a really good half. I remember a really good half of football. And, um, you know, the second half, it just it, it, didn't, it didn't kind of roll our way. The punch didn't roll our way. And they ended up scoring with, I don't know, 40 seconds left to take the 21 and the three point lead, whatever it was, three point lead. And we actually drive the ball, ball boom, 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 uh, Patrick Mahomes style down for, uh, I don't know, 45 yard field goal. But I was, I was actually the kicker. So then you drive kind of ball on the old quarterback mode, doing the no huddle, getting down the field, like kind of like picking, picking and choosing, go, go in and then all of a sudden you kind of look to the side and they're, they're throwing the kick and tee at you. Roll and kind of switch mindsets. And, and uh, it was a deep field goal. And you think back to that age group of, you know, being grade 11 and it was like a 47, 48 yard field goal, yeah. but it was in my, it was in my range. I can hit, I could have hit that. You know, I, I know I could hit that. And I, I ended up, I ended up missing it. So. We ended up uh, losing. I think we finished fourth place again. And uh, but it was again an awesome experience. That when I talked to a lot more coaches, I had a, I had a more extensive meeting with Coach Doby. Um, I remember um, at that tournament, a lot of talking, and I ended up uh, making Team Canada from that tournament, okay. which was which was really cool as well. Kind of reference already talking about Coach Dampierre and Coach Doby. You know, talking to you early on. What what happened after high school? Like in terms of your recruiting process, were you interested in a bunch of different teams? Were teams interested in you? And kind of what led to the decision to go to U of M? I had interest, but I didn't have a lot of teams heavily recruit me. So, okay. uh, you know, I, I had a lot of coaches who just kind of maybe messaged me on Facebook or sent me what seemed to be, to me, to be like a generic email or a generic uh, text message that they send to uh, a lot of guys. And um, um, so I didn't, I didn't feel too invested in a lot of the, any of those things. Um, I really felt like I was only being heavily recruited by, um, by, um, Manitoba, Regina, and Western. Okay. And uh, Western ended up kind of bowing out where they got Chris Merchant during that recruiting class. Uh, so they kind of they kind of stopped talking to you, which was reasonable. I know who Chris Merchant was. He's a Calgary guy as well. Mm-hmm. They signed him out of transfer from from Buffalo. And I knew they, you know, obviously I was kind of more of a oh, younger guy and 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 um, they're gonna sign their guy when they get their chance. Obviously, Chris Merchant had an unbelievable uh, a U sports career, so it, it definitely worked out for them. I just felt like a bigger connection with Coach Dolby at the time. I was he was here for one year, but I he had built a. I was able to come visit, kind of come on an unofficial visit through like visiting my brother, and then right. you know Coach Dolby brought me around the locker room and and uh, we talked quite a bit. And, and um, just overall the, the through the recruiting, I felt like you know Regina um, at the time. Um, then Noah Picton, who still had a couple of years left. I kind of just looked through the quarterback situations. I thought Ateo had less time left in, on his clock. So I felt like I could kind of come in and, and maybe start earlier. And it just seemed like a better fit. And Coach Doby was, you know, turning into uh, like a real, we had a, connect, a good like connection. So it, um, 
it just kind of felt right to to come to Manitoba at the time. Coach Doby got you with his recruiting tactics, eh? So you got guys oh, like yeah. the best recruiter <laughs> oh, in the yeah. world. <laughs> I remember I remember being a young kid, him coming into my house with my mom and dad and sitting down with them for three hours and shooting the yeah. shooting the stuff and you know, like yeah, how do you say no to that guy? He, you know, like you said, he's such a I know. such a good guy. He's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah, absolutely. You just you connect with anybody. Back at it for third quarter action with Coach Gies and Des Catelier. So Des, uh, way back when, I, I think it was year 2000, I was playing for the Bisons coming out of high school. Coach Doby did a good job recruiting me as well, and and I ended up playing for the Herd for a little bit. And, uh, you know, that first year, I remember being an 18-year-old, really kind of being eye-opening to just the whole change in my life, right? Like you go from being a high school kid and, and going to school in high school and just kind of being, you know, sort of in a in a little bit of a box with your life and whatnot to going to the U of M and having complete freedom with my life. And, and nobody cared if I went to class or not. Nobody was really holding me accountable necessarily. Yeah. And, you know, just that adjustment, I remember being kind of tough for me. So, you know, what was it, what do you remember about, you know, coming to Manitoba uh, and competing in you know, your first training camp? And, and who were some of the other quarterbacks on the roster at that point? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. Like, when, you, when you're when you 18 years old, that change of life is is pretty uh, drastic. Like, mm-hmm. it's eye-opening. Um, definitely, I think you hit it on the nail with that one. And, and you know, for me, uh, being from out of town as well, like, kind of your whole life changes. Like, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm living in a new city, trying to do now universities type of school where you're not, you know, your parents aren't telling you to go. There's no attendance, like, no attendance. Like there's nobody holding you accountable for, for going to classes. And you, you know, you got to be on your, on your stuff and you got to make sure you're, you're holding yourself accountable. And, and um, definitely like walking into, uh, walking to U of M, walking into, it, it's, it, I think the advantage of being a student athlete is that you do like, especially coming from out of town is that you can do um, move to a new city with a group of friends. Like, you know, you, you kind of have automatic friends like you kind of walk in and you know, at least you're with a team yeah and guys so you know that um you can connect with right away you have something in common with them you're with them all the time so you're not kind of like oh i need to get out and make friends like it's kind of nice to walk into a team environment and you know have, have guys um going through kind of the same stuff you're going through so that was definitely like a a good help for me as i got there but definitely walking into the to the locker room you're kind of eye open wide wide eyed uh, some guy, some guy references back as wide-eyed because I was wide. Like I walked in as wide-eyed, like I was exactly who I was. Like I didn't, uh, like I, I watched these guys. I watched university football when I was in high school. You know, what I mean, I watched, I watched uh, the 2014 Bisons go into Calgary and, and win the win the Hardy Cup. Yeah. Like, I watched that happen. Some of these guys were on that team making plays. Like I remember Tyler Fong getting like three interceptions in that Hardy Cup, and then all of a sudden now I'm, I'm playing with them. So definitely like a little bit, a little bit wide eye and tail, you know, like I definitely watched him in the years that he was starting. And so, and so the quarterbacks that were there was tail Dizar was, was the starter. They had just lost a couple quarterbacks, Ashton McKinnon and um, Foster Martins, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that was the big reason they wanted me to come in. And they had um, Julian Whitnick and they brought another high school guy, Colby Pilot, who's a, who's a receiver for us now. Um, so there's four, I think there's four quarterbacks in the room. Tail was kind of the obvious, the obvious guy. I felt like I was, you know, coming in, kind of competing for the number two with a, an idea of like, oh, they're kind of kind of probably wanting a red shirt maybe for my first year. And um, I felt like I did come in. I think I surprised them. I think they thought I was a good quarterback, but I didn't think they 
they didn't think my uh, I was going to be that as good as I was when I came in as an 18 year old. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went up and had a good job throughout camp. I think I really impressed them. I think um, if we're going back quickly to high school, um, I owe a lot of that to my offensive coordinator, uh, Gino DiVincentes. He was a running backs coach for the Stamps, coach for the Dinos, and then he was our OC for my two years uh, with the senior team at, at Francis. And he he ran a university level playbook. He made me show up for film at 6 a.m. He 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 put it on me and he put the pressure on me. He, he yelled at me when I made mistakes. He put, you know, he, he he put it on me and he he definitely made me into the player I was. And he made me walk in when I walked into the U of M. You know, the playbook wasn't surprising to me. The level of play, the level of commitment wasn't surprising to me. That stuff wasn't surprising to me. Where I feel like a lot of people came in and were and could like the playbook difference between high school and, and university was like a huge gap for me. It was it was very minor gap. It was almost like I walked in running the same, I've been running this stuff for two years. Like the concepts made sense to me and stuff like that. So I, I, I credit um, uh, Coach Steven Sentes a lot to, to bringing my early success here at, at University of Manitoba for sure, um, preparing me to go at the university level. So yeah, yeah. So just when I walked into the U of M, I just feel like I did turn ahead of thing. I think they knew I was good, but I think they, um, um, they were surprised that I was able to pick up stuff, like football IQ type of things and, and playbook stuff. and. And so I was able to go in on my, my preferred training camp, definitely had some success and um, ended up winning out the winning out the number two job that year. And it was a pretty cool experience that whole year, honestly, to to go on, like, be, you're on the travel roster. I was 18. I think there was only two of us that were 18. That was me and Marcel Ruelsch were kind of the only two 18-year-olds that were on the on the roster traveling and dressing. So that was a pretty cool experience. Um just getting to go on the road, getting learned from Teo. The team atmosphere was really cool. And, and just, you know, the professionalism jump, that was the jump from high school to this is, you know, you're playing, it's obviously not professional football, but it's, you're treated like adults now. You're, it's a, it's a very, Coach Toby runs a very professional environment. And so, um, especially with our, you know, our, our facilities are very like top-notch facilities. So you're getting the, the top works. And so that was just a really, really cool experience. Um, my first year being an 18 year old, experiencing, you know, youth sports football. I didn't play. I played in some end-of-game situations when we were winning and losing some games and actually had a little bit of success. Through my first touchdown in, against Regina at home on a – I was a short yardage guy that year, actually, so on a little uh, bootleg play action. Um, so it definitely I got a, a lot of fun um, my first year and just learning and, and being with Teo. Teo was a great mentor, a great guy to learn from, like just an overall great person. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing I picked up from from Teo was like just his personality in the locker room. Like everyone loved that guy, and he, and he yeah. had a you know contagious, um, contagious attitude, contagious like vibe to him. Like everybody wanted to be with him, and he was had, he was friends with everybody on the team. And I really picked up on that through the locker room, like the respect everybody had for him. So I definitely I think that was the biggest thing I, I learned from Teo was just you know how to be the guy, how to be the quarterback. When you're, when you're QB1, there's a little bit more expected of you, and, and you got to be – you can't just stay in your little cliques of groups. Like You mm-hmm. kind of got to be the guy to everyone and, and, and talk to everybody on the team. And that was really cool to kind of to observe kind of how he did things. Awesome to reference Teo Dizar. I was able to coach him on the provincial team a number of years way back when. And, and you know, you speak of it uh, exactly how he is, just a, a great guy. Everybody kind of gravitated to him. Uh, you know, and obviously a, a phenomenal player as well, right? So, so really cool about that. How about um, how about adjusting to the schooling? How about adjusting to you know the the difference in education and that kind of thing? How did that first year go for you? It was a jump for me. I think it was again really good to have football there, where you know I love football, and I, I 
I always kind of got by in school. It was never my favorite. I kind of just got by. And, but again, when you show up to university, it's kind of like, okay, well, I have to do school to, to play football. So that keeps you motivated. That keeps you accountable to a certain degree of making sure you get your stuff done, making sure you get your school done. It was, I can't say I was in my first year, I was on top of all my stuff. I wasn't, I, I missed some stuff for sure. I was all over the place. I didn't have the best marks, but you know what? I was able to get through it and get it done in my first year. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what I wanted to do in school back then either. For sure. So I was doing taking classes that had nothing of relevance to me at the time. So that was a tough thing too, was with the level of interest to, to school. And I think as I, I've gone along in my years here, um, I really started to enjoy school, uh, most classes at least. I know it's still a grind sometimes, but I enjoy like I'm in uh, majoring in uh, psychology and I really like enjoy the stuff I learned. And I think that's when I found that out kind of in my second, third year when I started taking psychology classes and, and actually started like for the first time in my life, like wanting to do a class, wanting to learn and, and enjoying it. Like that's kind of when I was like, oh, like this is how it, it, it can be in university. Like university is actually way cooler than high school because I had to take what I want, you know, take right. what I like, and it's interesting. And and so it took me one or two years to adjust and getting lower, not not the best grades early on, but then once I started taking what I liked and started getting a degree that I like, I my grades skyrocketed and, and you know what, I'm enjoying it and, and I'm gonna finish uh, getting my degree in the, pretty soon here. So it's definitely it was an adjustment at first, but um sticking it through with football was really good for me to get to the point now where I enjoy what I'm doing. That's awesome that you're going to come out with your degree at the end of this. So, you know, phenomenal work on that part. You talked about that that first season. So in 2016, you, you get limited action being the back of quarterback. 2017 is a little bit different for you. So talk about that and then also get into the 2018 season where you were the full-time starter and played every game. I know you got some dynamic weapons. You know, reference some of the better players on your team, the guys you could throw the rock to. After that 16 season, obviously you really good experience, but I'm a competitor. I want to get on the field. so. I knew Teo would have one more year left, but I wanted to play. So I put I put in some work that year. I got in the weight room. That was kind of it. Not, I worked out in high school. But I was always just a good athlete. I didn't need to work it. You know, I mean, now I'm like, okay, now I'm in the gym. Now I'm doing stuff. It's a commitment thing to this team in the offseason. And I'm, and I'm going to do all the offseason work. Um, and that was a good offseason for me. To, I learned a little bit because I spent, like, maybe my first three or four months just in the weight room. And then when I got back on the field, all of a sudden I like, couldn't throw anymore. And I was like, well, okay, like that's not how I got to spend my off season right. necessarily. And um, then, so the rest of the off season, a lot of summer, I threw a lot. Well, I still, I'm still lifting, but I, I learned how to kind of manage both those things together and not just lift to like, oh, I'm going to be 230 pounds and, and be huge and have a crazy bench press, like be able to lift functionally and, and be able to translate uh, your workouts to to field work and stuff like that so that was a good learning curve off season for me but yeah now going into 2017 season i really felt like now last last training camp i was competing for number two just to get on the roster and now now i'm competing with tail like and and tail was a really good quarterback has a great arm and it wasn't a, it wasn't going to be easy but i felt the same with myself i felt like i was a great quarterback and i could bring things to the table that we're going to help our football team win games. So, you know, I was going in, this was like kind of my the, the big year for competition. Like it was going to be a battle. I was told by the coaches that it was going to be competition because they were impressed by my last season. You know, we, we were going through training camp. I felt like I was doing really well. Can't tell you exactly how the competition would have ended, but um, I ended up actually uh, uh, getting a knee injury, um, tearing my MCL at the time. Um, it was like maybe a week and a half into camp there. And that was that was tough. That was a tough blow. To be working out through the off season with a with a, a mindset of 
I want to be the guy this year. I'm going to take it over and then kind of during training camp, you know, that being taken away, the chance being taken away and not knowing what, what would have happened in that competition, not knowing if I, you know, earned that spot or not. That was a, a tough little bit to go through, but, you know, I got back to, got back to work, got in the therapy room, got in the work and, and just tried to rehab. Luckily it was, it was an MC. I think it was like grade two. So maybe it wasn't a full tear. So I was able to not get surgery and just, um, you know, work through it. And I think it was like a six week thing. And so ended up being by week four, I was healthy. I was going in, we were going, we played three games. We were going to week four. I was cleared. I was cleared to play and practice. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of met with coach Doby. I remember, and we were, and so we had a, we had a tough start of the season. We went only three to start the season. So I remember having a meeting with coach Doby. said, okay, we're going to let you, you know, compete for it again. Like this week in practice, like you and Teo kind of will split reps and we'll see how it goes. I, I had a pretty good week of practice. And I remember now it's like the Friday before the Saturday game. And, they, and coach Doby says, Hey, okay, we're going to, we're going to start you. Um, but if you lose, we're going to redshirt you for the rest yeah. of the year. Okay. And because now we're all in four, the season's done. Yeah. We're going to save you. You didn't redshirt your first year when you were 18. So if you lose, like we're going to, we're going to redshirt you. And if you win, <laughs> you, you, you keep going basically. <laughs> so very interesting little like kind of put thing that got, got put on there right before the game. We went into Regina at, uh, it was the first year of new mosaic, new mosaic, I think it was more like the second or third games played at, at new mosaic pretty cool like atmosphere going there for my first start and uh i played a pretty good football game and um you know i didn't do anything that crazy i think our team we had uh our defense played really well and we had three picks jane mccoy went crazy had two picks and a pick six nice. um that dude is a stud yeah and um see, i don't i don't think i threw a t- i didn't throw a touchdown but we we moved the ball on offense throughout the whole game like we were time we were controlling the game and i was i was making key throws key plays I remember playing like a like a everybody was pretty impressed. I played a good football game and we ended up we ended up winning the game like maybe it was like fourteen to twelve. It was something low scoring. And Regina at the time was I think three and zero. Noah picked in there was like number five team in the country. Okay. So you know that was a a pretty big win for us. Like it was like oh like boom all of a sudden Ken West especially you know top four teams make the playoffs out of six. You're one and three. You're in the mix now. Like you, you got to win a couple more games. You're in the mix. I remember that being a pretty, pretty cool experience. Getting, getting the win in the first start, and then, you know, for me, I didn't, I didn't want to redshirt. I mean, could maybe it's good for your future or whatever. But I want obviously as a competitor, you want to get on the field and play. So yeah. I, I felt like okay, we got the win. Now I get my season. I get to play through the rest. And and, and um, I actually feel like I had a really good, good year. I mean, I made some rookie mistakes for sure. Um, through a couple of different picks or whatever it was or, or game management type uh, situations made made some rookie mistakes for sure but i think overall like you know i look at some of that film sometimes and really think that i played a, a really good season we didn't we won one more game um so what we ended up going two and six but even since some of those losses i feel like i i kind of as i solidified my spot as a starter for 2018 is, is what i did it was okay, we don't need to bring in all these quarterbacks to figure out our quarterback room. We have our quarterback here yeah. because he's playing like that. So um, that, that's kind of what, I, um, as much as I wanted to win, and I wish we won more and made the playoffs and did all that, like that's what that season was about for me, was, was solidifying that spot kind of going forward. One in six, one in the last game of the season, we're out of the playoffs. This is one of my most most memorable moments from, from being a Bison. We're going into we're going to Saskatoon. They're playing for a playoff spot in Saskatoon. We're going in, we're out, we have nothing to play for, right? 
and we go in and we're playing a game, but we're playing all right. And then we're down by 17 points with about like four or five minutes left. And, you know, we go our offense, we go on a touchdown drive, like long touchdown drive, end up scoring on third down too, like in there at the five yard line, uh, hit Tristan Dice, who's a great receiver for us. And um, then we, we do an onside kick, recover the onside kick, first play after the onside kick. I do a rollout through a corner to uh, Macho Bakru, touchdown. And then um, defense gets a tune out. They punt it back. We get it like, like our 30. And we just boom, 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 drive down the field. And uh, with about 20, 25 seconds left, uh, throw a touchdown to uh, Kyle Patchell, who that was his last football play of his career. He was a 50-year guy, great great team, locker room guy. And uh, his first touchdown of his career with the Bison oh, wow. was awesome. the last, his last play of his career in SAS to win, to win the game. So that was a pretty pretty cool like that was odd and we had nothing to play for they had everything to play for right and and we came and we won the game at the end and we, we kind of showed a uh, competitive spirit and um that was like that was when the kind of this bison i feel like for me in my time here the bison culture was kind of created of like how we play like this is like we're we're no easy out for anybody we're, we're changing obviously like uh, we will get into more how seasons have gone more recently but we had to go from not making playoffs to being a bottom feeder and change that around and i can really see that game being a, a good step in the process of of showing uh, like, like who the bisons are um and i'll always kind of remember that game you know your first comeback like a big comeback at the end like you definitely remember that you kind of felt in the zone you know when you kind of you feel in that flow and um that's when i kind of felt like oh, i can do it at this level like i know i felt it maybe at other levels and now you know, I'm playing good at this level, but I'm not getting wins. I'm not getting the job done necessarily, which is hard when you're young. And then, um, you know, getting the job done in that last game felt really good for sure. That, that had to be good. And just kind of like that that ability to, to make that, that comeback. And then I'm sure you probably felt like some, you know, inner belief, like a stronger inner belief after that, that, hey, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I can do this, right? Like that confidence building. Yeah. And like you said, turning around the program a little bit and kind of heading in the right way. So that's really cool. So speak on the, yeah. the 2018 season. Then you come in, you're the full-time starter. You play every game that season. How, how did that season pan out for you? That was a very, very interesting season. Like we, man, we had a lot of talent on that team. And we... Honestly, uh, like if you look at the win-loss column, we underperformed. Like, mm-hmm. but like that was the year that like oh like my stats blew up. Like all of a sudden I was like I remember the first five games of the year, I I think I did I threw for over three hundred yards in, in all first the first five games of the year, and it was like our offense was clicking, but we weren't we were like two and three after those five games. Like okay. it was kind of like where well. You're, you're putting all this production. We have a lot of talent. So, like, like our receiving core was um, Dylan Schrott, like, who was an all-Canadian, and he was, like, a stud. Uh, we had Shy Ross, who's – everybody knows Shy Ross. Now he's playing for the Eskimos, and he's a starter in the CFL, and he's, he's a dude. Mm-hmm. We had Macho Bakker, who's been a productive natural Biden receiver um, for, for his whole tenure here. He, he was a stud. We had Tristan Dice, who was like one of the most sure-handed guys, football IQ guys you're, you're going to meet. He was on that roster. Riley Harrison, uh, Stephen Ugba, Jesse Walker. Like, man, we had guys that, like, Jesse Walker was getting, like, looks in the CFL as well. Like, the, Stephen Ugba was getting looks in the CFL as well. Like, mm-hmm. we had we had a full receiving core of, of just of just dogs, like guys that were, like, were really, really good receivers. Jamel Lyles was our running back. Zach Williams was on our O-line. Like, mm-hmm. we, had, we had a serious squad in there. You know, we just couldn't um, 
I felt like early in the year, though, those first five games, like offense was playing really well and uh, we were playing shootouts and losing. Our defense was kind of struggling. And then it kind of flipped at the end of the year, like the last two, three games of the year, like all of a sudden our offense couldn't move the ball anymore. And that was like, honestly, for me, the first big part of adversity in my career, like honestly, 2017, I was playing really well um, and I was young, nothing was expected of me. And then boom, I come flying onto the scene in, in 2018, um, playing really well. And then, you know, boom, we kind of hit a wall. Uh, we hit, we played Calgary and Sask, and we kind of got, we kind of got beat up. And our defense, it's funny though, because our defense played really well in those games. We lost like close, low scoring games in those games or whatever it was. So it, our defense was really good that year, but we couldn't really, um, couldn't really put it together at the same time when the offense was playing well, the defense wasn't playing as well. And when the defense played really well, the offense couldn't seem to move the ball. And, um, I just remember those three games. We ended up making the playoffs. We were three and five. And we ended up making the playoffs and going to Calgary and we and we lost. But we played a really competitive game. Like we our defense played really well again that game against Calgary and kind of shut them down for a while. Our offense had some spark plays. We scored a touchdown in the in the first half. Second half, the Calgary kind of just toppled over us. And it was competitive, but they but they knocked us out. And um yeah, that was a disappointing season, I think. And and that's Again, I kind of remember 2017 turning into the Biden. I think 2018 again was like when for myself, I we really are even not even for myself, I think as the leaders, core guys in the in the locker room, mm-hmm. we kind of decided we needed to change something. We need more accountability. There needs to be different things in our culture that we need to get done that weren't getting done. Mm-hmm. And what and because the 2018 season was just unacceptable. You know, with the talent I just listed off to our offense. And the defense was the same, like defense was a bunch of guys too that were really good. And to, to perform like that was just kind of unacceptable. Like, and we're all competitors, we want to win, and we just don't understand how this is going to happen. Like, we can't keep going on like this. So it was it was a good experience. I felt like it was good. It was a lot of really good reps for me, a lot of good. I felt the highs and the lows. I, I faced some adversity, but I also had a lot of, a lot of success. And so I, I kind of went through both those things in 2018. And I think in that offseason after 2018, you know, the leaders, the core group really got after it and um, really tried to, to lock down what we got now as, a, as you know, the culture here at, at the Manitoba Bisons. I can reference back to my days. I, I played for the Winnipeg Rifles when the team was first inaugurated. And, you know, there was a lot of up and downs. I came in as a pretty pretty solid QB and we struggled a lot. And that was hard on, on you know, my confidence and that kind of thing. And at times, you know, it definitely affected mentally how how good of a player I was and, and that kind of thing so I, I can speak to the struggles and you know fighting that adversity so there, there's a lot that goes into that and that's difficult to face you know when things just don't go your way sometimes but then yeah. you get a really cool opportunity in 2019 you're able to attend the Saskatchewan Rough Riders training camp which is pretty awesome dude what was that like what was it like to be in a CFL training camp who were some of the other QBs on the roster how did you find like dealing with the playbook and that kind of thing? Did you get any reps after that experience? Were you able to kind of catapult that experience into your 2019 season? I mean, that experience was really cool. Like one of my top experiences I got. Yeah. I mean, being able to go into that, into that atmosphere, that pro locker room. And, and nonetheless, in Saskatchewan, I know we're here in Winnipeg, but mm-hmm. Saskatchewan's got a, a really cool environment, like really cool fan base. They care about football there. Or it's a, it's a, it's kind of a legendary program or, or, you know, in, in Canada, in the CFL, it's a, it's a pretty cool environment to, to be around Yeah. and, and being at the professional level, like, again, like it's a whole nother step from university 
talk about a step from high school to university, like a step from university to pro as a whole, whole nother ball game, right? It's, it's, it's a big step. It was, it was hard, but it was, it was really cool, but it was, um, it was 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. days. That was every day of training camp. It was wake up, breakfast, meetings, practice, meetings, lunch, meetings, dinner, meetings, studying the playbook, and then going to bed. Right. Like it was like, it, you're, you're going, you're, you're getting after it. Right. So I remember showing up the first day meeting with a quarterback coach and, and we, we start rookie camp the next day. So at first it was just going to be the rookies play, go around for like two days, kind of learning the stuff. And he just hands me this big, big book of uh big, big, the playbook. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Hey, we're putting in day one, day two install tomorrow. Like it's going in and we're running it. Skelly team. Like, this is what you got to know. And, He's like the other quarterback, so there's only going to be one rookie that they're bringing in, and it was going to be me. So it's going to be us two running rookie camp. And he's like, the other quarterback is like having flight troubles. He might might not be here tomorrow. So you better you better learn this by tomorrow. And this is like three four o'clock in the afternoon, and we're starting in the morning tomorrow. Wow. And so I'm like, oh oh okay yeah. <laughs> um. So I just go home and like boom till like two three a.m. I'm like brushing over this thing like back and front and trying to know everything, learn the terminology, learn the plays, learn the routes, learn all the motions, learn the, I mean, it was day one, day two install. So maybe not all everything was in, but it was a big chunk. Yeah. It was like, in that I'm trying to go forward and understand why they're doing some stuff. So I'm trying to go through the installs and trying to piece together stuff and play books. It's one of my favorite things. Like I could, so yeah, yeah, I'm talking about it like it was a stressful thing. It was a little bit stressful, but I like I, I loved it. I was like yeah. nerding out, like looking over a CFL playbook and just like learning everything about it. And like I thought it was so cool. And then, um, but it was also like frick, I got it. I, and I and you know I want to play this CFL one day. Like I want to impress these guys. Like I want to walk in tomorrow and know it. Like I want to know all this. And so like I, I honestly like I did. Like I walked in the morning. The other quarterback was there. So the other quarterback showed up in my we were rooming together. He showed up Isaac Harker. He's the number two guy in Sask right now. Mm-hmm. He showed up around like 9 p.m. He ended up coming in. He had had the playbook for six months. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know all this stuff. <laughs> and I'm sitting in my room like going over like this. And, then, and he helped me out a little bit, which was nice. And uh, um, he, me and him still, like, not all the time, but keeping contact a little bit. And we cool. became a pretty good friend over the time there. And into the, the meeting room the next day, my coach was kind of going with the install, asking questions. And like I knew my stuff. Like, and... I don't know if he necessarily expected me to know my stuff. So that was a pretty, uh, that was pretty cool for me. I think they were impressed by that. And, Good. Um, and it, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say I did everything. There was something I'd ask questions on, but I was asking knowledgeable questions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a bigger thing that they need to, that was, they need to see you do as well. And then, so that rookie camp was really cool because I got, that's when I got my reps. Once training camp stopped, I, I didn't get any more team or scouting reps. I did a lot of the, all the drills and threw yeah. the receivers a lot, but this was my time to kind of get reps in, in scouting team. And that was really cool. I think I did well. And, and Isaac did really well. He's a, he's a really good quarterback as well. And um, it was really cool just being around like, you know, rookie camp It's rookie camp, but it's a bunch of NFL guys that they just brought in. Mm-hmm. just got cut from NFL teams. <laughs> oh, I just think these guys are pretty cool. Like they're good. They're really good. And uh, it was cool to throw to some, like some of those guys, like they're, it's cool to just play that speed and that game. And, you know, even just like, I, I, I love to learn about football. Like football is my favorite thing. So it's like just hearing the coach, like taking in the coaching points. Like I loved all of it. Like it was like a really, really cool experience. And then um, kind of moving on from from rookie camp, going into training camp, the quarterbacks that were there were, were Zach Claros, mm-hmm. were Cody Fajardo, David Watford, 
Isaac Harker and us and me. I was there. So that was sort of the four guys. That's a, that's a pretty good um, room. Zach right? was kind of, it was a pretty sick that year in 2019, mm-hmm. Cody Fajardo and Zach Claros faced off in the West final and right. they faced off in every West final since that, that quarterback room. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. That's true. That was the season Zach got, Zach got hurt. It's mm-hmm. Behemoth one in Sask. Got traded to Toronto. Got traded to Winnipeg. Won the Grey Cup. Yeah. So I was in the room with Zach the year they won the Grey Cup. I was in the room with Fajardo the year he was like up for MOP that year, mm-hmm. uh, and was in the West Final. And David Watford ended up going to Hamilton that year mm-hmm. and being their backup and QB guy. And he was in the Grey Cup that year in 2019. Right. So you had I, I had the two quarterbacks that played each other in the West Final, and then the two not the starter, but two of the quarterbacks that were in the Grey Cup. So it was a pretty like it was in with some with some cool guys like great guys too and and um, you know Zach was kind of the, the bona fide starter at that point they had just brought him this was Cody's first year they just brought him in and David Watford had been there the year year or two before so they're bringing in Cody and Watford to kind of have a competition and they were going to see if Harker was able to you know he was there kind of signing from the the college from the states and you know obviously they were interested to see what he could do as well and they were going to keep three on the roster so they're going to see how that all all kind of panned out and it was like cool i roomed with uh Fijardo and, and harker um nice. that was our room so that was that that was really cool i got to know them really well i still talked to kind of both of them um every now and then like after i talked to cody after the west final there and which he had a tough game and uh a tough one for sure but he's a gutsy player man he, mm-hmm. he plays his plays his heart out every play and he's really really smart like kind of like I was able to study and pick his brain like so after the whole the, the day would go by the whole day would go by we would kind of go maybe go to Dairy Queen and grab an ice cream and then decompress a little bit and go back to the room and kind of study the playbook out for, for an hour or half an hour, whatever it was. We just kind of like to look over before bed. And just in those times, and I hung out with Cody a lot and, and was able to pick his brain a lot. And, and he's just a, a phenomenal dude. And he, he really like gave me a lot. I learned a lot from him. And um, it was cool to see him throughout camp. He was kind of like just, he was winning out the number two job. And then, but you, but you see, you seen how good he was. But Zach was the guy, like Zach, and Zach was the best quarterback I'd ever seen. Like Zach was unreal. Like he was making throws I'd never seen before, and it was like, oh, that guy's the dude. But and then it, it just kind of worked out that they both ended up being the dudes. Like they, like you know, Cody ended up being the dude in Sask, and he's perfect for that team. He was the he's like perfect leader. He's perfect for that team. And I think Zach was just unbelievably talented and just needed a new environment. I think the environment. Him and the offensive coordinator may have not been on the best or whatever that was, and he and he needed a new environment to thrive in, and he's thriving in, in Winnipeg right now. He's the best player in the league, and uh, and he and, you know I didn't room with him or nothing. And again, like I talked about being a starting quarterback, he's not just hanging out with the intern. He's not hanging out with the quarterback group. He's hanging out with the team. So I didn't have as much experience with him as I did with with Cody. I see, but um, but it, but he he definitely gave me the time of day for sure. We we talked through couple different things i was able to pick his brain and i see him around the facility here at the bombers right. and we always have a conversation when i see him so oh, cool. um really really nice guy and i'm happy he got to sign back with the bombers and mm-hmm. just it's been really cool to see him have uh, that success here because i kind of you can kind of see he just wanted a new environment and he found it and he found the perfect home and and it, it was awesome but that whole experience in sask was was unbelievable i loved learning that playbook i loved being around that environment i loved going to work every day 
just football all day, every day. It was work. It was hard. It was what I love to do. And so it was, it was really cool. Yeah, man. I, you know, you speak of being kind of a football nerd. That's kind of, that's kind of what I've been told from outside people that I'm kind of a football nerd. I, that's, that's what I geek out on is learning new schemes and yeah. wherever I can, you know, like oh, that's man. just how, that's just how I'm wired. So pretty cool to hear that you're uh, like-minded that way. And you got to experience that. So, so mm-hmm. awesome. I'm I'm honestly jealous that you mm-hmm. got to experience that. Very cool. Um, <laughs> so how, how does that, spiral into your 2019 season then you come back for the bisons obviously and how did the 2019 season go yeah yeah it was definitely like it was cool to to experience that and then go um go into the 2019 season and with you know feeling like i definitely got a lot better like feeling mm-hmm. like i definitely um learned a lot about the game of football and um i definitely think it helped me through that season um i think i put in 2019 season i think that was my biggest jump in, in leadership. I think um, I, I was playing well in the field, sure, but it was um, I was able to lead this team uh, in 2019. I really becoming come to my own, and um, you know that SAS camp was a two week period, but over the whole off season, I feel like, like I said, the leadership group really took a took a step forward, mm-hmm. and we really kind of took over what our culture of our team was going to be. And you could really see it in 2019, like just how close that team was. We were really like just a close knit group. Um, we fought in a lot of games, won games. We were four and four. We may have not have been as talented as, as 2018, but we were we were freaking and we were gutsy. We were, and we would pull out some wins. And you know, many of my and like like I said in 2018, my stats were like really high for five games, but then like really low for two games. Like I feel like in 2019, they were just pretty consistent. I played well. I made my reads. I I got I delivered the ball to the to the guys and. And we had a good season. We had some ups and downs in that season too, for sure. Though, like we were four and four, we we faced some losses, some tough losses, and and uh, we had to overcome some stuff. And then, um, you know, we played that uh, uh, playoff game in in Calgary, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously that's the the hail mary game. We had a we had a comeback. How many points it was, but I remember getting kind of feeling that in that fourth quarter, um, just kind of feeling unstoppable. We were moving the ball, and it kind of felt like it was our time to, that we were going to beat Calgary and. And kind of move on. And we felt like we had we had a really good team and a really good chance at you know making a run at it. And obviously, you see Calgary ended up winning the Vanity Cup that year. Right. And um, we were a point away, a two point convert away from from taking them down in the first round of the playoffs. And that year definitely just felt special. And it was tough. That was one of the hardest losses. Like I just I felt like the whole team were just like sitting on the field for like an hour afterwards, just you know hugging and, and whatever. It was a and I was at home in Calgary, right? So yeah. all my friends and family were there. So being able to see them was it was nice. It was bittersweet though. It is is it is definitely just nice to see them after and have that support system there. But um that was that was definitely a hard game. But overall, like a, a, a really good, really good season, great group of guys. And um I felt like we were we were kind of just we were really close. And um, you know, one play goes another way, and uh you could have seen us going on a big time run, but it just didn't work out our way that year. And then, you know, obviously our world has been shaken by COVID and, and that happened and, you know, kind of came to Canada in the spring of 2020 there. And, you know, you weren't able to play in 2020. I, I heard through the grapevine that uh, through that summer and fall, you were kind of leading the charge and, and running some throw arounds and some workouts and keeping the guys together and, you know, being that leader that you talked about. Talk about, uh, you know, the COVID year off and, and what you guys did to kind of maintain your your team and, and what you were working on during that time the COVID offseason feels like it was like four years like so many different things happened in that so there's so many different periods 
of time during that. Like, you know, there was restriction this, and then there's no restrictions. It just feels like there was like four years in that year. And so many things happened. Like, so when, so let's say after that game in 2019, boom, it's my draft year. I'm training for the combine mm-hmm. as well as, you know, I have a bitter taste in my mouth. I, 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 I think I'm coming back. I don't think I'm just going to get drafted and be in the league and ready to go. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm coming back. Yeah. Um, so I have a bitter taste in my mouth that I'm ready to get after it and get going with our team and, and, you know, work for 2020. And we feel like we were so close and we're ready to go for next year. We were going to put in the work. So, and then on top of that, it was, you know, I'm training for my combine. And uh, so it was, a, it was, it was, I knew it was going to be a, a huge off season for me kind of going in my last year. And so I ended up um, right away. I, I kind of took all my classes online for that semester. And I went out to Vancouver for like just over a month. Okay. And I went out and trained with, with uh, uh, Rob Williams and, and Cole Meyer. I was able to, you know, get after them every day. Like we went after it. And we, I think that, springed my whole COVID off season was that experience it's like okay i i always considered myself a hard worker and and i did i, I love football and i did a lot of things but when i went there i learned a whole uh, new side of it like kind of thing like i was able to you know now i'm not just working hard i'm also like i'm doing a routine i'm like sticking to a schedule i'm doing good habits i'm eating right like mm-hmm. i'm not um I'm not messing around with all the little things i was before it's like okay i'm working out i'm doing i'm hitting the field i'm working hard but yeah. I'm not organized, you know, and that organization can bring a long ways sometimes. And for sure. So I feel like where it was like, it was really scheduled for me, like getting my workout in the morning then going straight from there, busting across the city and, and getting my field session in with Rob, busting back, doing online school. And then, you know, I was living with uh, Cole Meyer, who's a, who at the time was a quarterback coach at, at UBC and a really, really great football mind. So be on the bounce football off of him and mechanics stuff off of him too. He's a, he's a, a I, like I changed my whole mechanics. I changed how I threw and I changed how I worked. Like there was yeah. two things I learned out there. Like, like while I was out there too, I met so many people like that was working with Rob, like Michael Connor was, was working heavily with Rob at that time. So I was out there training with him and he's a special individual as mm-hmm. well. Like the way his attention to detail, the way he leads uh, throwing sessions and stuff like that. So I was able just to sit there and uh, not sit there. I mean, I was working, but, I was able to observe how he um, approached an offseason, how he approached a, a training session and stuff like that. And so I was able to kind of pick and pick some stuff off of him to bring back to when I was able, as you say, if they're all COVID, I was running training sessions. I was being the quarterback. And that's what you see in, in, in like a guy like Michael O'Connor, who, you know, when he steps on the field, he's commanding the field. Like you tell the receiver, hey, I need you to do this. I need you to do it at 14 yards. I need, and I'm going to hit you like this. Mm-hmm. And then he's working on his mechanics. That, but he just, he just was the quarterback when the second his presence hit the field. And, you know, I really kind of observed and brought that into what, when I came back here, of, nice. of, you know, putting that right into to who I was as a leader. And then that was kind of, I think the number one thing I learned out there, number two, I, I kind of changed my whole mechanics. Like I learned how to put more power in the ball, like spin the ball, like Rob's, a, I think Rob's a, a genius at what he teaches. And, and I was throwing the ball better than I ever had coming out of that month. Like, like, I was, and I, I was so, so I leave Vancouver like end of February in the combines, end of March. So like where my belt, I had never been so confident in my game. Like I was like, I'm going to go into the combine and kill it. Like I've been in Vancouver throwing every day, working out every day. I'm like, you guys aren't doing it. Like I'm, I'm ready to go. And I'm throwing it at a whole new level now. Like the power I'm going at, like mm-hmm. I was ready to go. And then, you know, COVID was starting to linger and I would naive self. I was like, ah, that's whatever. And yeah. I'm still going to get the combine. And then 
I think it was a week, just one week before the combine, they canceled it, canceled everything. And that was a pretty, that was a pretty hard blow. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I have aspirations to, to go play in the CFL and to not get that day, not get that combine when I felt so ready to go, like, so like I was going to get it done. Mm -hmm. um, it was a tough blow, but I was able to kind of, after that, maybe took a week or whatever, I'll be able to recenter and refocus kind of, okay, well, I got a season coming up. Um, you know, um, we're going to have a season this year. I got to get ready to go. So I'm sorry, hitting up my guys. All right. Well, and it was COVID. So, I mean, we may be pushed to the limit as much <laughs> as possible. Like getting guys out to a training session. If there was five guys allowed, we had five or six guys allowed. Mm -hmm. And we, and we pulled, pulled up and we, we got our work in. And, uh, then however long later after that combine got canceled, um, boom, season gets canceled. And again, that's another boom, boom, you're, that's a blow, that's a blow to the system again. Like, damn, yeah. like, now what, you know, like, and again, I think it took me another, like, whatever week or two, however long I took it, this is now kind of going in the summer and it's like, all right, well, you got to find the positive in something like you got to, all right, we got a whole year to train. Like how often do you get gifted, True. you know, a year and a half to, to get better, to train and get better. And, uh, you know, off season can be so short sometimes that it's hard to, to make big, big strides, big improvements in, in off seasons. Um, so it's all right. Now we're, now we're just going to get locked and loaded. We're going to work. We're just going to work. And so I remember that whole summer, just organizing guys. And, and I think that's summer. Winnipeg ended up having a little bit better of a COVID than, than yeah. some places. And we were able to get some really good work in actually that summer. I remember I was running with them um, like three days a week with the Bison guys. And I was running the sessions, running our playbook stuff, doing all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. uh, and then three days a week, I was working with kind of the more of the pro guys in the city. That was like kind of the Nick Dembski, Shai Ross, uh, Keen LaFrance, and a couple other a couple other of those guys. Sure. Um, so I was working kind of with the two groups all summer, and it was nice. really so cool. It was good to go to work, and uh, we're just training. And then, you know, the fall rolled around, and we got into some bison practices. We were able to practice a little bit, and I uh, started working with our team, and then kind of just continued that along. I mean, there was ups and downs through it all because there was, again, like I think that winter, maybe the restrictions were really heavy. I were bringing back a bunch of weight room stuff to my basement here and uh, just working out in the basement, having one or two guys here were working in the basement and still trying, if they're allowing five on the field, we're getting five on the field. And if they're allowing 10 on the field, we're getting 10 on the field. And, and just being in communication with my receivers and, and TVs and, and, you know, making sure we're taking charge and, and getting to work and ready to go for, when the season comes, we're going to be ready type of thing is, is kind of what we're just, we're just going to go to work and get better. And, and so we kind of just did that through the whole off season. I just remember getting going like the spring and the spring summer goes around right before um, uh, um, the season was going to go going. And then that's when like, I think you've been referenced to me running like, you know, throw rounds and stuff. That's when I really like, I got the field booked. I kind of like made sure we had like three, four set days where we we're running. We call them like player practices. Mm -hmm. We were really kind of like leading up to training camp. We were running, we were running practices. Like we were doing, you know, and we had structure to the practice. Like we had, you know, you could show up, warm up, indie one on ones, and then you know half scale or skelly, depending on how many guys we had sure. that thing. And you know, really getting that going, and, um, leading up into the season, getting all the guys ready to go, and getting all the guys excited to play again. Mm -hmm. That was that was a pretty cool, like, exciting time. Everybody was fired up. We had all the recruits kind of coming in. Everybody was coming to the city, and so that was a cool time. And we we're ramping up, obviously, into into training camp. You know, it speaks to your leadership to you know take the kind of the bull by the horns and and really 
uh, get your guys together and do whatever you could. And, and you know, referencing, uh, you know, working out in BC, a former podcast guest as well, Michael O'Connor. So really cool, uh, you know, getting to meet Mike. He's an awesome guy and, and such a smart guy, intellectual. So I'm sure you took a lot away from that. So, you know, phenomenal work. Back at it for fourth quarter action with Bison quarterback Des Catelier. I was streaming your your home opener this year, watching the game. Uh, the first time I ever streamed the U Sports games, I was actually really enjoying it because uh, in the summer leading up there, I was watching some of the CJFL games on on the streams, and the quality is much much different at the U Sport level. So I was appreciating the quality of the game and and whatnot watching that first one. Obviously, you have a you have a pretty bad knee injury and. It was easy to see, you know, they panned to you on the sidelines and the emotions were going and, you know, it's your fifth year and all that kind of stuff. I'm interested in, you know, how did you, what was that like? You know, how did you deal with the emotions? What were you thinking about in the moment? That was really tough. I can't, I can't lie. That was really hard. Um, yeah. Again, we just kind of went over through the whole COVID offseason, you know, a lot of work was put in, bringing this team together and just, you know, going after it every day through, through it all, you know, like. You, you go through that COVID offseason, you don't talk about all the ups and downs you have. Like, but you, you just, you know, consistently kept going back to work. That was the one thing keeping me going was, you know, working. But he put a lot into it, and I had a lot of expectation for this this upcoming season. Um, I felt like I had completely changed my game. Like, I felt like I was going to be a new player that he hadn't really seen and really kind of take a next next step in, as being a U-sports quarterback. And, um you know, it, it, the game was not the first game of the season, and, and you know, I felt like it was, I was definitely a little rusty, and you know, getting going in the, in the first half there, and uh, I felt like I was just starting to kind of catch a rhythm uh, through touchdown to to Kai Madsen. You know, we came out in the second half, and we had we had a couple drives like to start the half that didn't necessarily end up in points, but we were driving, and then um, and we were we were feel, I was starting to feel a rhythm personally. I feel like our offense was starting. To, a rhythm and get back into it and then obviously you know i take off running one play and, and boom you know initially whatever the hit gets done and i i feel the pop and i'm not not 100 percent sure i'm like okay well i've been injured before like i wonder how bad this one is you know but i'm sitting on the ground like ah like you know like right in the back of my mind i think i knew mm-hmm. i was kind of trying to deny it you felt like i felt that, that pop right away I was like, oh that's not good you know yeah you know i'm on the ground and you know I was able to, you know, when I'm walking up and I'm moving, I mean, I don't know how many, I don't know if you've done any injuries like this or, or if anything's happened, but you can kind of like put weight on it right away. And mm-hmm. I was like, I walked off the field, like just on my feet. And I was like, oh, this is probably just, no, it's just probably a stinger. Like it probably got me. Or it's like, it's one of those ones where maybe you're out for a couple of weeks or maybe you can play through it, but it's going to hurt you. Yeah. And I get off to it unless... So I'm walking off and all of a sudden I get this little burst of optimism and I'm like, okay, this could be not that bad. And then hit the trainer's table and the doctor like swear looks at me for like 15 seconds, like wiggles around my knee. And he's like, Oh my God, like, yeah, you, you tore your ACL MCL for sure. Like he just said for you, he's like, for sure. Like I've never, it's like, it's so clear. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I couldn't even, you know, I couldn't even believe what I heard at the time. It's, I don't know. I, I broke down. Like even thinking about it right now, it's like I literally, I literally broke down. Just yeah. couldn't stop like crying. Just broke down emotionally. Like everything I've been through for the for the couple of years leading up to that was just I just broke down. I don't yeah. even know how to explain it more than that. Like it was everything kind of came out is pretty heartbreaking um, mm-hmm. to hear those words and um, you know coming along after that like that 
game going along sitting on that table it was cool it was like okay like oh, i'm feeling this for the whole thing and then you know it was it was awesome how our team responded to it that was the that was the, the coolest thing about it all you were losing like game when i went out there mm-hmm. and you know the game kind of goes back, goes back and forth and then you know brock makes a huge play gets a defensive touchdown and uh boom we're up in the game we hold on we win the game and just you know it shows that um that great in our team that toughness in our team and you know we really built something here again like i, I, I keep touching on like the culture that we built here from mm-hmm. when i first got here to now sort of thing that happens you know could really deter a team but it really almost boosted the team in a sense like we were able to kind of gain energy and you know, fight, fight, fight for the rest of that game. And, and that was pretty cool to see like my teammates, you know, go out and do that, that game and, and get a win on that day, which, which definitely eased the pain for a little bit there. Yeah. Obviously a tough moment again, like just, you know, seeing you on the sidelines there breaking down, that, that was, it was heartbreaking being your fifth year. Fortunately enough, you're, you're going to get that year back. You're going to be able to play this, uh, this upcoming year. So that's, that's great. Um, how, how's the rehab going at this point? Where, where are you at with your knee? What are you able to do with workouts? It's going really well. I'm about ten weeks post surgery now. Okay. And uh, so again, so I'm moving. I mean, I'm doing workouts now. Um, like I'm in the gym every day and and in athletic therapy room every day and or during the week and all that. So, um, just it's a it's a process. It's it's just going to work every day. That was exactly it's exactly what I've been doing for the last two years. It's just different. You know, mm-hmm. it's just different type of work. It's just rehab work. It's a little bit nitty gritty you got to do little things and you got to do them over and over and over again but i'm enjoying it i'm starting to see the progress now like uh mm-hmm. doctors said i'm right on track so it's 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 going really well and i'm starting to kind of enjoy the grind of it again and, and you know i feel like you know there was a time that it was so when i first did my injury there was a bit where i had to overcome and get back into it and i did get back into it and then you get your surgery mm-hmm. and then there was a bit where like you know you can't really walk around or do anything for like a couple weeks there and you're feeling kind of down and even when you're allowed to start doing things again you're not very motivated and then you know you kind of just at some point it just kind of snapped for me where i kind of just snapped out of it and uh i think that's because you know once you see a little bit more progress and you see it start coming along you can start to actually walk and you're not using crutches anymore like it starts to just motivate you to get get back in there start getting that work back in there so it's been definitely getting better and i'm on a good track right now for sure okay that's good to hear you know and one of the real positive things that i that i was hearing from uh, coach ollie was that you know during the year you kind of took on more of a, a quarterback coaching role sort of and he said that every day he walked by the film room and you were in there with the qbs you know real early before practice you know still dedicated and helping out that young group you've got a very young qb room and a lot of really talented guys and you were helping them along the way and doing your best to coach them up. So that's, that's pretty awesome. What did you, uh, what did you gain from that experience of, of just kind of taking on a little bit of a coaching role this year? Pretty cool. Actually, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed working with those guys, all the quarterbacks we got, um, Jackson, Jordan, Sawyer, um, all really, all really good people. And, and Riley too. Riley was uh, uh, injured and, and had his own uh, uh, struggles this year. So mm-hmm. he wasn't around as much but he's still very much part of our quarterback room and, and a very an awesome individual. But every, every guy, everybody we had in that room was, uh, was awesome to work with and eager to learn. And I just felt like I had some experience and some knowledge that I could, I could uh, pass on and help with, especially with Jackson, who was kind of taking over that role. And he's, you know, he's a younger guy. Um, and I, you know, I've been through that process, taking over the job when, when you're a younger guy and, and, you know, it's not always easy and, uh, and you're going to make some mistakes, but, you know, it helps to, uh, I kind of would go through my routine with him, my film routine, you know, 
there's a lot that goes into to being a quarterback and it's a lot more that seems like some kind of glorious position to a lot of people but it's it's a, a there's a lot more that goes into it than than what you see on game day like it's it's showing up early staying up late it's and, it, and it's how you're watching film are you just watching it mindlessly or, or are you picking up things that are helping you in a game and and stuff like that how are you studying how are you doing everything and how are you using your time and managing your time and, and so um it was it was cool to work with jackson and we, we worked through a lot of things and i feel like i was able to help him on the field and he's a great football player and he was able to do his own stuff on the field that he was able to teach me stuff yeah it was really good it was really a cool experience to work with him and just in general like being able to after the injury like there was you know obviously just anger at life a little bit going through me a little bit but i had to really at some point check myself and be like you know what you're the guy i mean, i'm the guy that's up in the front of the room telling everybody about the culture telling everybody to buy in to to work hard to you know show up early stay up late stay late that we want to win like you know setting our goals setting our standards doing all this kind of stuff now is that because you were the starting quarterback or is that because you, you genuinely believed in that and believed in that for the team mm-hmm. and so i that, that's what i you know what I, I once i kind of thought that through in my head you know i knew what i i knew what i had to do as i'm still going to be that leader there's one thing i can't do is be on the field that's the only thing everything else i was doing before i can still do and so i still show up to work every day and and tried to work and you know i didn't care who was the starting quarterback i wanted to win whoever was in there I wanted to win and everybody wanted to win. We had a team that bought into winning and doing everything the right way. So it was a really like, oh, it was an awesome year, man. Even though what happened to me happened to me, mm-hmm. it was a really awesome year with what our team accomplished and what our team did and what our team overcame. It was really, it was a really, really awesome year. You know, I think that speaks to your character as well. Like just to to be able to grit your teeth like that and still come to work every day, even though you can't play anymore. And, you know, that's that's a tough scenario, but, uh, you know, kudos to you for taking on that role and continuing to stay with the team and being dedicated to the program. Very awesome. But, uh, you know, this past weekend, I, I saw some picks this morning of uh, some Recruit Ready 7-on-7. Seven seven. You guys wrote in Moose Jaw. Uh, talk about that experience, Coach. You were out there coaching. You guys did pretty well. Who are some of the quarterbacks that you're working with there? And uh, how do you feel like 7-on-7 seven seven improves QB play? It's been awesome working with 7-on-7, um, seven seven, working with Recruit Ready. Kind of started that up during COVID um, times too, to kind of keep my time, like doing more football things and and uh, keeping up with it. And coaching is always something I would do on occasion um, before when I had the time, or if there was a like my brother is a is a coach for them, the Wildcats, and yeah. uh, he's big into coaching. And um, so uh, he would always bring me out to certain things and and, help, and I'd coach a lot. I'd coach with him and do things like that, and I always really enjoyed it. And then um, just kind of this opportunity came around to to coach some quarterbacks and um i recruit ready and i i really kind of jumped at the opportunity i wasn't doing much like else than just training football at the time like so uh, um yeah i've been doing it for kind of just over a year now but this was it was this weekend in musha was kind of the first competition that i've been a part of because obviously covid right so right. we haven't gone to any tournaments since i started coaching or doing any of that so i've it was an awesome experience um, going to do this, the tournament and our team did really well. We, our, our high school team won the tournament uh, for the high schools and our youth team came in second in that, okay. in that tournament. And they were, a, they were actually a great eight, nine, our youth team was a great eight, nine team. And they were playing against great nine, 10 teams. And the, the high school that we were playing against was also 11, 12. We were uh, 10, 11. Hmm. So we were playing against some older guys, which was, so it was a really good uh, experience, I think for those guys. And, <laughs> It was it was really cool. It was like the atmosphere was awesome. It was good to compete again. All these kids competing. It was really like 
it was a good atmosphere. I got some studs at quarterback cover crew ready. Like um, you got um, Blake Penner, who was a star, our guy uh, starting for this uh, for the high school team, who's a guy who's a grade ten at Dakota. Right. And he's just an awesome, awesome guy. Love loves to learn, and, and uh, he played really well. Didn't throw a pick five games at the uh, seven on seven, no picks. Nice. He's a you know good student of the game. He played really really well. And then on the youth team, we I'm working with the guy Ryan Wordsfield, and he's man, he's learning. He's coming along at a good pace right now as well, and played really really well in the tournament. And uh, I've been working with them, training with them for for you know kind of a year and a half now, and it was cool to see them you know performing in a competition. And so that was uh, it was really good for them, and it was really cool for me. I love the experience of it, and it was it was good uh, good really good atmosphere. Yeah, to touch on your point, uh, just seven on seven in general. Um, helping quarterback play like I just think more reps is more reps like two points like you know how I how I dictated you earlier the big part of my development was playing high school and then off season getting a midget season mm-hmm. so I was playing two seasons of, of football like I right. think it's the same type of deal with seven on seven and it breaks it down in a simpler uh, format where you can really work through the concepts and reads without the pressure but like that's something i really also am here and hear about um like obviously because when you're playing football you're going to be playing with pressure and, yeah. and it's a, diff- a little bit different but so when i'm coaching them i really try and um, instill like different stuff like during our sessions and stuff like we still have some o-line and d-line and come out so we'll we'll still like work them with some pressure like the d-line will be running a one-on-one while we're running a quarterback one receiver one-on-one so he just has to work around a pressure or something like that mm-hmm. just working and i still just try and work that in and and sometimes just when we're watching film or we're doing whatever like i still just kind of point out some different things that hey you know like a, in a game that might not work for you or you got to get the ball out early or like yeah. something you know a blitz, you know it doesn't happen often but we're still definitely in a training sense like working pocket movements and you got to understand that seven on seven is great it has great it's great for the reps i think the amount of reps you get it can't be emulated like you're you're just getting a lot of just for skill position players it's it's really like really unbelievable for them to get these reps in. and it is good in a sense they don't have the pressure because you get to slow it down for some of these guys you yeah. get to slow down the reads for them a little bit but they have to understand that that's not how you play football when it comes down to it when you're playing for your high school or you're playing for university you gotta understand seven on seven is seven on seven yeah. and football is football so you gotta be able to translate stuff that you learn to football and not think that because you're a good seven-on-seven quarterback, you're just going to walk in and be a good quarterback. There's other things going on when you're playing quarterback for, mm-hmm. for a football team. And so I do still try and, you know, uh, bring that to the to the quarterbacks here when I'm teaching them and working with them. Because, I'm, like I said, I'm trying to make them better quarterbacks, not just win seven-on-seven games per se. You know, those are great points. And, and honestly, that is probably my biggest beef with seven-on-seven and just watching that is number one that the quarterbacks don't seem like they ever take a drop, which drives me nuts. Um, and then that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen with us. That's good. That's <laughs> good. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. And and then yeah, just the fact that obviously there's no pressure and just like how does that translate to the game? And, and I'm glad that you touch on that and talk to your guys about that. That they understand that there is a difference. Obviously, once you get out there. And also to allude to uh, Ryan Wurzel, that's a guy that I'm working with at Oak Park. He's going to be my quarterback moving up. So he's a phenomenal young talent. And, you know, there's lots of guys out there with recruit ready that, uh, that are on on our squad at Oak Park. And and I've worked with some of them at, uh, with my training at Big Air. So really cool and, and, you know, awesome work there and congrats on uh, doing so well out in Moose Jaw. Uh, To end the podcast here, man, I want to, I want to give you the question I give everybody is who is your favorite quarterback of all time and why? 
I'll go. Uh, I'll go NFL and CFL. Sure. So, like my NFL is my all-time favorite quarterback is Tom Brady. Like, Fair we kind of touched on it. I was a Tom Brady fan earlier. Yeah. Got a Tom Brady cards up in my room over here, and I uh, <laughs> uh, man, like I just watched. It. I was a my brother was a Patriots fan, so then I had to be a Patriots fan, which kind of turned me into the Tom Brady fan at mm-hmm. some point. Like when he left the Patriots, I tried to like be a Patriots fan for a couple weeks until <laughs> I realized that I was just watching the Bucks games every week. So <laughs> then I was just like, yeah, I'm a Tom Brady fan, but I just. Yeah, I think um, his story, his journey, his, his achievements on the field is is unmatched. And I just love, I love watching him play football. I love watching him talk in his interviews and, and the person he is, and hearing how his teammates talk about him as well. I, I really respect him. CFL, my favorite of all time is Henry Burris. Okay, well, I, I had to give a shout out to Henry Burris. Like he's a, a Calgary legend. Yeah, uh, he's got a crazy arm, a wicked arm, and just loved watching him. Uh, Watching him when I was growing up, I was watching him all the time. And you had like you know when you're in Calgary, you get a chance to meet him once or twice at like kids camps or uh, mm-hmm. and like he was hosting a great camp. I remember meeting him a couple of times, just like big smile on his face, and, and just always kind of looked up to him. Like he was a he was definitely like the guy in Calgary for sure. Great, great choices there on on your QBs. Uh... Des, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. It's been awesome to, to meet you and get to know you and talk football. And I hope maybe we can do this again in the future. I hope you enjoyed your time tonight. Yeah, thank you very much. I had an awesome time. Thanks for having me on. This was I love talking football anytime. So anytime you want to talk some ball, I'm here for it. Excellent. All right. And I want to thank the audience who's listening and tuning in every week. We've got more great guests coming your way. Thank you, everyone, and have a good night. 